Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and you have entered into the fix. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the Recovery Guy and welcome to Recovery Guy Podcast. I am so thrilled to be here. Obviously, I'm pretty energetic every time I get in front of the microphone because I know I'm speaking to you. But today is even a more special day because I have on this show one of my most dear friends in recovery and her name is Susie. And I'll let Susie share how we met and the friends that we are with Laura and and how this has grown. And, and I'll kind of give it away. Susie and I are exactly the same, but we're very different. And I'll let her put the pieces to that puzzle together. But I'm so excited. So if you have a friend or a loved one who is either an addict or or the friend, family, or loved one, or significant other of a, of a practicing addict, you will want to share this podcast with them because I am going to introduce you to a person of power that I have so much personal and recovery regard for. And so, Susie, thank you so much for being on our show today. Oh, Robert, thank you. It is a joy for me to be on your show today. I have enjoyed so many of your podcasts um, over the years. And, you know, like you said, we've developed a friendship, but it started with a very desperate girl who was so willing to do whatever it took to figure out what active recovery looks like. So I would know whether I was being hoodwinked. <laughs> yeah. And um, I was so desperate to feel different than I did. I, I just remember that day so clearly. It was uh, March 11 um, of 20 or yeah, 2017. And um, my world as I knew it was uh, a shamble. Um, the life that my spouse was living was uh, nothing that I had known. Um, there was just a, every layer of, of addiction and, and hidden things and stuff. And I just remember reaching out and calling 20 or 30 therapists on my lunch break. I just, I literally went through the list on my phone and just started calling. And I didn't realize <laughs> at the time that therapists don't all have you know, secretaries and people taking their phone calls like I do at my office. And so I left messages and the first one to call me back was Scott. And he told me uh, that he was 23 years uh, actively sober and that he was looking forward to working with me. And immediately on my first meeting, he suggested that I find Al-Anon. And I was like, listen, I'll do whatever it takes to get better. I, I don't ever want to feel like this. And then that night I came home and went on Instagram and just typed in recovery. I wanted to find out what active recovery looked like. Um, and I found your account immediately, you know, the recovery guy. And then I found several other accounts that have been super meaningful to me. Um, uh, Pete White's Pete on repeat and then Laura McCowan and uh, Jolene Parker and just a couple of other ones. And um, what I, what I discovered was this, this man that had 31 years of continuous recovery. And I thought, well, that, that is hope filled. I got to see what this guy's about. I'll know when I see active recovery. 
And Robert, through your page, and um, later I reached out and direct messaged you, but I just saw this picture of, of hope and gratitude and, and uh, transparency and uh, accountability that I had just never seen. And I thought, I, I just want to see this. I've got, I've got to, I've got to follow this. I've got to learn more about him. And, you know, it just gave me so much hope. And, you know, over the course of months, I reached out to you and Laura and shared some of my story and you guys were more than gracious. I, I mean, to this day, you will for always be soul friends of mine because you were there for me in a really dark hour and, uh, and just, gave me hope and offered, you know, your, your experience, strength and hope. And you offered, um, courage and, um, you were just completely willing to pay your, your journey forward. And, um, you know, we've met in Florida a couple of times, which yes. I loved, you know, it's like Instagram friends that meet in real life. That's and cool. You and Laura, yeah. yeah. And you and Laura are as lovely in person, maybe more so. And then we've met again in person. And, and, you know, I talked to you guys on the phone and message and, and it's just to look back and think that I went from a girl that could barely breathe to someone who's able to participate in your blogs and, and now a podcast is just the story of hope that recovery offers. And, and it is just my hope that somebody hears this and says, you know, my life can look different. And, you know, it, it really can. It, it's just tonight, my home is filled with some teenagers that needed a refuge tonight from mm -hmm. some addiction in their homes. And um, I, I just, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm recording a podcast with a man who gave me hope when my home was the, the one where the kids probably wanted refuge. So um, talk about gratitude. I am filled yeah. with it. You know, and, and thank you for that. Um, and and Laura, Laura's not here right now, but she knows we were recording. So she wanted me to tell you hello. And and uh, and, uh -huh. and and she really appreciates the friendship that the two of you, um, you know, if if she hadn't dodged a couple bullets and met me in recovery, Laura had the same codependency characteristics because of how she was brought up and and the life she was living in and what she was otherwise attracted to. And so yeah. you just never know where those are going to fall. But, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, if you haven't guessed by now, Susie's an Al-Anon. And, and I was teasing her earlier, you know, in, in AA, we would say we have met the enemy and it is Al-Anon. And, <laughs> and those of us who are in recovery and in denial of our, of our addiction, we're not actually in recovery. We ought to be, but we're in denial of our addiction. And we think Al-Anon is the enemy and they're only the enemy because they figured us out and they're <laughs> calling us on our BS. And so anyone who would expose me for the liar, adulterer, cheater that I was is certainly not my friend. I don't care <laughs> if you're my spouse or my, not, right? You are, you are the enemy. So, but going back, and, and it was really interesting where you said you, you started making phone calls because there's where so much of the similarity between an Al-Anon and a person of addiction live because I've shared my story enough and you've heard it enough. Um, where there was that particular morning on February 9th, and I knew I couldn't go anywhere. So I started making phone calls because I knew that if something didn't change, in my case, I was going to die, right? A physical death. In your case, 
you were just going to go completely off the rails, right? Yeah, yeah. There was that breaking point. When, Susie, because I really want to, I want our listeners to understand the progress. There was a, it's called the successive approximation. Um, We get from one point, and you're a medical expert, um, we get from one place to the next, but we don't get there in one fell swoop. Otherwise, we would never get there. But we get there in, in baby steps, and, and it's kind of like watching a flower grow. We keep our eyes off, and the next thing you know, it's blooming. It's like, well, how did that happen, right? But, but it had been blooming all along. And the same way with you, when you got to a certain point where you said enough is enough, it, it wasn't overnight. It was pain and pain and pain on top of pain, and finally you reached your breaking point. What was that transition or you know, where you finally got to that point? What were some of the things that my that that the listening audience would want to hear? Because obviously we we want them to to bypass some of the things that you and I had to go through before we got yeah. there. So yeah. so let some of the other people know what if you could go back, because we're always smarter five minutes afterward, right? <laughs> if if you could go back and identify some of the things that you should have paid attention to, but didn't. What would those what would those look like? Oh, that's a great question, Robert. I mean, I'll start off with saying, you know, the, my breaking point. I, I shared with you when we were discussing before that there was a day, um, not long before that March eleventh date, that my cousin came up. I reached out to her. There was a bunch of just bizarre behavior going on in my home, and I had some obligations, and I needed her help with the kids. And she ran up, and we were sitting on the bed in the guest room. And she looked at me and this is the closest thing I have to a sister because I don't have a sister. And, you know, she's like, I call her my sister cousin. Um, And she said, Susie, you're like a beat dog. And here I am. I I just listened and I thought, here I am. You know, I've started two practices, private practices. I look around, I'm, you know, I, I feel like people would on the outside look at my life and think that, you know, things were going smoothly and she was a hundred percent right, Robert. I was like a beat dog. I had lost myself in the disease of addiction to the point where my own cousin didn't recognize me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, how is this like girl power person turned into a beat dog where my cousin's like, I don't know you, like what is going on? And so that was one of the first turning points. And then the second one was, um, right after, uh, all of the, the really significant um, unacceptable behavior was revealed. And my therapist suggested Al-Anon and I immediately found a sponsor. And somebody said to me, they had the balls to say to me early on when they didn't know me or how I'd receive it. I said, oh my goodness, I'm teaching my uh, 12 year old or 13 year old how to be treated. And she said, oh honey, you're teaching your seven year old how to be treated. And I thought, oh, wow. wow. I mean, that, that, was such a courageous thing for her to say to me. And it was so true. And that really, that really quickened my heart to say, I don't care how much this hurts. What I'm doing is not working and I am willing to do whatever it takes to make it better, not just for me, but for my children, for their future. Um, I had figured out enough about addiction to know that this was a family disease, even though I was not raised in it. I'm actually one of only two people in my home group that is not the adult child of an alcoholic. Um, So I would suggest that most people in recovery, yeah, need 
could benefit from Al-Anon too, because it's the stuff that people learn growing up loving an addict, you know, whether it's your parent, um, something like that, a sibling. Um, but anyway, and then my, my sponsor said to me, Susie, you are the only one that can decide how much unacceptable behavior is acceptable for you. And I thought, wow. Say that again. I love that's only, profound. Only you can decide how much unacceptable behavior is acceptable for you. And I mean, I wrote that on a three by five card and taped it up on my mirror because it was, it just hit me like a, you know, like a dagger in my heart because I thought that's true. Like, why am I blaming someone else for their behavior and looking at my life and saying, oh, if, if he would not do this and if he would do this, then my life would be, no, I'm the one that gets to decide how much access that behavior has to me. And, um, that was just really empowering, empowering to me. And so that propelled me into my work, um, not only in therapy with an actively recovered, um, therapist, which was really beneficial for me because he understood the disease. He called BS on everything. Or like, I would tell him, well, you know, my addict says he's doing such as that. She's like, allegedly, you know, he yeah. say, <laughs> allegedly we need some time, you know, the fruits of that will bear themselves out and things like that. And, um, you know, he's like, Susie, talk is cheap. You know, words have power, but talk is cheap. He's like, you, you will know what you know when you know. And that's, again, what pushed me into finding your account and, and following, continuing to follow people in active recovery, because I thought, you know, I've been hoodwinked for so long, if that's the way I wanted to victimize myself and say that, which I don't do anymore. But, you know, in other words, I willingly stuck my head in the sand to look the other way when behaviors continued to escalate. And what I can tell you is disease is this disease is progressive. There is no static addiction. It is mm -hmm. constantly progressing. And even the few times that my addict would cease from the substance, the disease was progressing. And I yeah. know you guys in your, in your halls, you say, you know, this disease ends in death institutions or recovery. And it is the exact same thing for Al-Anon death institutions or recovery. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's just, there are so many suicides for people that just throw in the towel because they can't change their addict, you know, and it's, it's hopelessness, you know, that they have. And, and in fact, if we look inward and instead realize I can change me, I can change me and I can live with joy and peace, whether or not the addict continues to use or drink, I, I can absolutely do that. And that, that is hopeful. I, I need to stop you there because this is the second time. And when you had originally brought it up and spoke on it, I wrote it down because I wanted to get into it, but then you just brought it again. So I want to go right to there. There was a transition period from blaming to taking ownership. Yes. Um, tell me about that. And, and for codependents out there, this is so important because until we take ownership, whether it's me as the addict or you as the codependent, we never get well, do we? So absolutely did, did, did not. you progress up to that door? Did a did a light just sort of shine on you and you said, What the heck am I doing? Tell tell me about that moment where you realized this is not about so and so. This is about me. Yeah, I think that one statement about only you can decide how much unacceptable behavior is acceptable to you. And that woman is still a dear friend to me. Um it's, it's, I think that was one, if there was a lightning bolt moment, that was one of them, but it was also reading through the books, like, you know, and listening, I'll tell you what, on YouTube, on my commutes, I started listening to the Al-Anon speakers on YouTube and 
I would hear these stories. And although none of them were identical to my story, there were parts of my story in all of them. And when I first listened and these people would laugh and whatever, you know, and here I am like barely able to breathe. And I'm like, why are they laughing? This is not funny. You know, <laughs> this is horrible. You know, and their yes. stories were even more, I mean, you're, you're talking about people like trying to choke each other in bathtubs and all that. And I was like, what, you know, and they're living joyous and free. And I thought, boy, I've got to get what these people have because I, I wasn't choked or anything. I mean, my, I thought my life was a disaster at that moment, but it, you know, I thought these people have gone through even more and they are able to live with laughter and hope. And so there was a couple of things like that that just made me realize this isn't about the other person. It's about me. It's about my mindset and my attitude. And um, my sponsor said something to me that was pivotal. She said, Susie, you've been married 23 years. Don't you think if there was something that you could have said or done in 23 years to change their behavior, you would have figured out a way to say it or do it. And I thought, oh, <laughs> snap. Okay. Yeah. That is yeah. really true. And so it was at that moment. That she speaks said, to she said, your personal accountability. Yes, absolutely. In other words, stop trying to change someone else. That has not been effective. And she's like, Susie, you can only change you. And, and I knew that was true. And so I became so focused on every time my thoughts would wander to these were phrases that I really caught myself. Anytime the word should came out of my mouth, I basically considered it like cursing in church. You know, it's like the worst word you could ever say. <laughs> if I ever say should about anybody, but myself, I am totally living outside of my, my own circle um, or our hula hoop as, as we refer to it in my rooms. Um, and so that kind of word, or if I was saying, what if, or if only, if I caught my thoughts living anywhere in the what ifs, or if only I knew I was allowing myself to focus on somebody else's behavior instead of my own. And so then I started looking at, okay, what am I doing to contribute to this? I am making it all about the other person. I'm acting like some victim and martyr. Well, what has that done for me? That's allowed yeah. my life to spiral further. And it was, it was just like this. I, I can't say it happened overnight, Robert, but it was just this slow forcing myself to be aware of my thoughts and then taking them into account. You know, you and I both have a strong belief in the word where, you know, God says to take every thought captive, but I applied that verse to my recovery because I thought that that is important. I, feelings are absolutely human. Emotions are human. Feelings are indicators. They are not dictators. I can feel a certain way but I can act according to what I know will serve me better. And so I just started looking like, okay, if I've always done it that way and that didn't turn out well for me, how can I do it different this time? And it just really shifted things. And the same thing, instead of blaming him for not doing anything around the house, so I didn't have time to work out. I was like, well, that's not, that's my problem that I'm not working out. So I can take care of myself. I can, you know, stop being resentful over expecting someone to do something that they're not going to do anyway. And I remember my sponsor one time saying, Susie, they're going to do and say exactly what they're going to do and say. So it's, it's up to you to figure out how you're going to, you know, allow that to affect you. And, um, you know, it was just making little choices like that to realize that, you know, I could take care of myself. I didn't need someone else's permission to take care of myself. That was, you know, like where, I don't know where that thought ever entered my mind, but it insidiously crept in over time that I needed his, to that, you know, his permission. And I remember coming back the second therapy session 
And he asked me if, um, you know, I had gone to a meeting and I said, yes. And he said, I want you to continue to do this under three circumstances and only these three circumstances. He said, if he's supportive, if he's not supportive or if he's neutral under those three circumstances, only do I want you to keep going. (laughs) And I said, okay. And the same thing about my, you know, my friendships, I, I was very blessed to have a circle of truly, truly meaningful friendships and godly friends that just were okay with walking through the fire with me and, you know, encouraging me to, to, to go down that path. You know, I know a lot of times in addiction and codependency, there are people you will lose in your journey to wellness because Mm. they need you sick. And, and you know that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so there were some friendships that changed, but my, my fierce little mighty tribe that was forged in the fire will be with me for the rest of my life. Like your friend you were sharing about earlier. Um, You know, those people are your people. They, they want what's best for you. They encourage you to, you know, keep seeking that, um, that wholeness journey, you know, whether it's not living in a state of victimization or martyrdom or any of that. And the thing with Al-Anon's Robert, we can get so self-righteous. Well, I'm not doing this. Well, I'm not, you know, well, I'm not, it's them. Is it, oh, baloney. We are the Kings and Queens of manipulating and coercing and like, you know, like, you know, lying to cover up. I mean, I can't even think how many times that there was a missed, you know, family vacation. And I, I, you know, whatever you have to say to try to, you know, instead of saying they just didn't want to come (laughs) or whatever and, and manipulating things like, like when my, my sponsor was like, you know, did you say it like four different ways trying to get it an outcome that you wanted, you know, like you just keep (laughs) saying it over and over, like they're going to respond differently if I say it a different way, you know, or, or all those things that are just, you know, just not well, it's just, you know, we are as sick as the addict, but we just seem to be able to think that we don't need recovery because it doesn't look bad on the outside to be codependent or enmeshed or attached yeah. or, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's not well. My children, probably at the moment of my discovery of all of this, if you would have asked them who was more fun and who they'd rather be around, they'd probably say the addict. Yeah. yeah. Like in Alan, we have this saying, you can always spot an alcoholic by how crazy the spouse is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you Early on in our conversation, obviously I have cheat sheets because we know each other so well, you know, and I'm so glad that you brought it up because in so many ways, you know, the, the, the alcoholic, the addict, we, we have a mental obsession coupled with a physical allergy mm. and, and, and the Al-Anon doesn't have the physical allergy, but you have a mental obsession. Yes. And, 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 in, and in those non-clinical ways, but a psychiatric or psychological way, you are just as sick yes. as, as the addict. And, 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 and I loved how you were sharing, you know, when you were talking about taking ownership and looking within because change means me looking inside me. Yes. And, and realizing, you know, so much of this I've allowed some of it I've done, but the rest of it I've allowed. And, and I've told people, and I heard this early on and, and it's and it, and it smacked against my pride. So I knew it was true. Yes. <laughs> anytime, yes. anytime something affects my pride, I know I need to listen yes. to it. And yes. so, cause my pride automatically rejects things 
that, 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 that hurt me. Uh, but there's that, you know, as long as it's about them, then I'm okay. But until I'm willing to, to look at myself and, and, and see where I contributed, because I would tell people, if you're there, you're 50% wrong. Mm. You are 50% responsible because you've made a decision to be there. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, I don't know if that percentage is right, but I know what that tells me is, hey, take responsibility for being in the room. Yeah. Nobody asked you to stick around as long as you did. Yeah. You know, for your selfish or, or, or sideways reasons, you, you thought you could change the unchangeable mm. when the evidence said, this person's not changing. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. because if you would have asked Sue or my second wife or family members, they'd say, oh yeah, Bobby can change. It's like, and what are you basing that on? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, and you can't make a case if you can't present evidence. Mm. True. You know? So, so with our time left, I really, cause I want people to get a sense of knowing what you do. Again, I'm an advantage at an advantage cause I know what you do. Um, but it's not so much as, you know, so much of you getting well is staying well. Yeah. And so we talked about your transition and your ownership and your responsibility and your accountability. In the beginning, you stayed in recovery just out of self-preservation. Yes. But that's not why you stay today, is it? No, I've, I've been, yeah, I, I don't live with active addiction and talk, haven't talk, for talk, three talk and a half years. Talk about that, because that's where your real power is, I think. All right. Well, I think... Um, what I learned through the process of this journey is that living with things that I learned in the program, like radical acceptance. I mean, in other words, part of what I've grown into in this program is realizing that the moment I am presented with a circumstance or an awareness or like my mom's breast cancer diagnosis, the moment I'm presented with that, I have a choice. I can start going, Oh, I can't believe this. Or if only, or what if, or, you know, whatever, or I can immediately say, this is actually my reality. Now, mm -hmm. every ounce of energy that I have, I can spend moving forward towards what next, what, what can I do to spend my energy in a positive way? Because we all have a finite amount of hours, a finite amount of energy, you know, you and I have the same of that available. And, mm -hmm. you know, I can instead choose to spend my energy focused on the next right thing in front of me. And so, you know, instead of freaking out and calling and crying or acting like, oh, I can't believe I've got this other thing to juggle. I can say, how can I be of service to my mother right now? How can I make sure my kids aren't, you know, wondering like how serious this is for her? Let me answer their questions there. And then let's make a game plan. You know what? Let's get with the doctors. Let's have a, you know, and just kind of just this radical awareness has made me so committed to this life of recovery because I find that applies in the workplace. It applies in my relationships with my children. It applies in friendship. It applies when I get a diagnosis on my son that I can't change. It applies, uh, when something happens with the addict, with my children that I cannot change, but I can say, this is exactly what's happening right now. This is my reality. So what do I do with this moving forward? So that's one of the things that makes me want to stay in recovery so much. The other thing is I've realized 
that living this way, especially once I got past the steps and went into the traditions, oh my goodness, there, there is nothing that will transform my life more than living out the traditions in all of my relationships. Mm-hmm. It applies in the workplace. It applies in my friendships. It applies in, you know, all of my relationships. It's just, it's so empowering. It's such a better way to live. It brings into every relationship in my life, this accountability, this transparency, gratitude, and service. I mean, those things it brings into my life in every relationship I have. And I hope that makes recovery attractive to people because I do, I get it right every day. Absolutely not. But when I lay my head on my pillow and I'm kind of, you know, running through the day, doing it like an 11 step, you know, kind of thing, I look back and I think, you know, my life looks so different now because of living with these principles. It's just, you know, I don't have amends to make all the time. It's allowed me to let go of expectations. We have a saying, expectations are premeditated resentments. And that was one of those statements that Robert hit me in my pride. And so I knew I had to look at it, you know, but it's so true. If I'm expecting something out of somebody else, now there are certain relationships, there's a level of expectation. My employees, I expect them to show up for work or whatever. It's not like I'm not going to expect that. But if I'm expecting someone to behave a certain way or do a certain thing and they don't, that's on me. You know, it's, it's really on me. Um, People are going to do and say exactly what they're going to do and say, and everyone's not living a life of recovery. You know, even if they're not addicts, you know, they, they're stinking thinking all over the place. And so the more that I can engage these principles, the, the more free I am to be fully me. I do not have to feel like, oh, well, what if they don't like that if I do that? Well, what if that makes them do that? Well, that's ridiculous to live your life. How much energy had I allowed to be absorbed by worrying about somebody else's reaction to something or how I'd get a positive response if I did this? Oh, for heaven's sakes. I mean, it is the most freeing thing in the world to just live fully me, fully alive. Um, I feel like I haven't missed my kid's childhood now because I am actively living alive. I do not need to numb based off, you know, living out someone else's life or their expectations. Um, You know, the addict numbs with a substance. And you and I were talking earlier about this in the absence of substance, you know, then it's in a relationship that I was numbing out on or obsessing about someone else's behavior or trying to change someone else's behavior. And, um, you know, you said it, I think I texted it to you. Did you write that down? How you said that? Um, Oh, we are. We are codependent as a child and dependent as an adult. Yeah. So it's like, we're going to find a way, you know, it's either we're going to, you know, I tell my kids all the time, this is one of the other, probably the biggest reason I stay active in recovery, Robert, is because the more years I have to show my children that there is a different way to do life, the more likely they are to not continue this family cycle. And so I tell them all the time, it's not a matter of my opinion, whether you're at risk to become the addict or marry an addict, it's the nature of the disease. You know, one of my yeah. Yeah, girls in recovery, she said, the family tree goes by the whiskey river. <laughs> I thought that was cute. And so, you know, it's just, it's just a better way to live, Robert. It just is. It's a self perpetuating uh, joy. <laughs> You know, it is, and, and, and it is a design for living, and, and, and hearing you share that message of hope, you either said live, living, or life 10 times, you know, uh. and, and, and that's the key, because 
it is a design for living in a, in a way that really is living and, and not just existing or, or being a hostage or, or, or a hostage taker, right? Because, because you were both at the same time, Mm. you know, um, sometimes codependents need, like you had touched on earlier, um, or may have been in an earlier conversation, sometimes a codependent needs the addict to stay sick because it's their get out of jail free card from looking at themselves. Yes. It's so powerful to realize that, you know, it's like so many people uh, lose relationships in their life when they find recovery, because sometimes the addict gets sober but their their uh, significant other is not interested at all at in Alon yeah. because then they would have to let go of being a martyr and a victim, and then they'd have to look at their role in why their life had become unmanageable. Yeah. Well, I don't want to take ownership of that, you know. Well, I did because I was so <laughs> sick, I was ready to. But I'm saying, you know, it must have been what allowed me to live and get sicker and sicker and uh, live in the progression yeah. of that illness because. I was unwilling to look at my role in, in the unmanageability of my own yeah. life. And, and that is a powerful, powerful thing to be able to do. It, it requires humility um, and a, a level of self-awareness that we previously did not want to have. But I tell you, um, I, I wouldn't go back for anything. You know, how does the, uh, how does the, how does the person, the, the newcomer to Al-Anon, how do they reach out to you? Um, how can you put them in touch with other people who, where they can build a support network as you have done? Yeah. So the way I did it was um, I went on www.alanon.org. Um, it's like the world server. It might be mm-hmm. alanonwso.org, um, but it's, it's the Alanon website. And that's how I found meetings. You literally type in your zip code and it will tell you where there are meetings. So that's how I first plugged in. Then on Instagram, in addition to recovery, I started following hashtags for Al-Anon, following the Al-Anon World Service Organization. I think it's Al-Anon WSO on Instagram. Um, and then you start following. I started following hashtags like radical acceptance um, when I when I embraced that concept and things like that. And because of that, I was able to develop a full community of support locally through my meetings and then online through people who had rich experiences that just geographically are separate from me like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that all of that put together has just been just a wonderful thing for me. And I'll happily share, um, you know, my email is suzydmd at aol.com. They can reach out to me through email. Um, that's S-U-Z-Y-D-M-D at AOL.com. And also on Instagram, I'm at Susie DMD, dog, Mary dog. Um, and it's, you know, it is my joy to walk through this with people. Um, and sometimes I don't accept friend requests because frankly, there's just a bunch of catfish out there. On places yeah, like that. Yeah. So if they'll send me a message, because you can message request somebody even without being their friend say, Hey, I'm a friend of Robert's or I, you know, I'm, I'm looking for Al-Anon supporter. I'm looking to, you know, get, I would more than love to, to walk you alongside that. And I share a lot. My account is private um, only because, you know, it's, it's just necessary with kids and stuff, but mm-hmm. I share so much of my healing journey there. So I, I would absolutely love to pay it forward. Like that's what I've told so many people. I cannot pay you back for how you partnered with me, Robert. I can't pay you and Laura back for how you guys 
were there for me. And I reached out to you and would send you voice memos on nights where I was just like, <laughs> you know, before I knew that I was no longer going to be able to stay married yeah. um, and get better. Um, so, you know, I can't pay you back, but I can pay it forward. And I will do that as long as I have breath. Yeah, that's wonderful. And, uh, and I appreciate so much. Um, I, I lovingly or coerced, however you want to put it, um, because I'm still an alcoholic and she's still a codependent. <laughs> Susie has agreed to, to write a, a blog for us at Recovery Guy. You may have seen her blogs. Um, it's usually the second Tuesday of, or, or second Wednesday of every month. And it's Susie Says. And, and we actually have a, a podcast, I think a two-parter uh, about a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. So yes. if people search our archives, they can, they can come across that. Um, so you're not only a personal and a family friend, but you're, you're a friend. So if you do want to reach out to Susie, you can send me an email and I'll forward it off to her. So just go to recoveryguy.org uh, or robert at recoveryguy.org and send me an email and I'll forward it off to Susie and you can connect once I screen you properly so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And, and we'll yeah. go from there. But, but I really appreciate the time today and I really appreciate your contribution to wellness and recovery because every... Every person needs someone of power to, to play off or, 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 or to challenge them, you know, yeah. and, and just like so many people in recovery, addicts and alcoholics and, and other behavioral challenges can, can show Al-Anons that there is true recovery that happens like you were looking for. Al-Anons help us really more fully examine who we are mm -hmm. and, and, and help keep us honest because obviously honesty, open-mindedness and willingness are the three keys to recovery. And so, you know, later on in a few months, we'll have you back and we'll, and we'll talk about, um, you know, some of the things that you're doing and some of the things that your group is doing, you know, some of the things that you're teaching your family, your children, because Susie is a mom of three teenagers. God bless you. <laughs> I love teenagers. <laughs> and, and, and some of the things, because so many of you out there are, are juggling the same demands in life that Susie is. And so I do, once again, I, I just want to thank you so much for being a part of our, our show today. So thank you so much for being a part of Recovery Guy. If you want to contribute, please go to patreon.com forward slash recovery guy. You can find me at uh, recovery underscore guy on Instagram, the recovery guy. I hope you're getting the connection here. The recovery guy on Facebook or recoveryguy.org blogs, podcasts, anything that you need. If you're looking for a life or a sober coach, uh, message me, let me know um, how I can help you. And we'll have that uh, conversation. And as always, my name is Robert and I am the recovery guy. <music>